the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series called Financial Fitness, being good stewards with what God has given you. But what does a stewardship mindset look like? And then how do I look at the world? Well, Pastor Sean says that wise stewardship is the product of wise habits. So let's talk about that. Today's message is called Financial Habits of the Wise. It's time for Real Life Radio. As you are aware, we are in this series called Financial Fitness. Are you feeling fit? Yeah, about six of you. Nice. That's good. It's good. The rest of you are like, we're working. Yeah, it's so positive. So this is tough. It really is because as we, we talked about, this is an issue, these are heart issues. In fact, as we've gone through this series, we've really found ourselves probably talking more about heart issues than actual money issues. We started talking about reality, remember? Aligning with reality. We looked at that, the parable of the talents and we saw that Jesus was saying, here's what is going to be and here's what is happening now. And he talked about this the stewardship of resources. They're all God's. He, he gives them to us. Talks, talked about faithfulness. Talked about fear not being our friend. And so we looked at realities of finances. The next week we looked at this idea of contentment. Because we saw if we're actually going to ever make any ground and get a handle on finances, we have to tame the beast of discontent. And we looked at the spiritual understanding in the scriptures on the power of contentment. The week after that we talked about moving from fear to faith. And the bridge we saw was this thing called the tithe. And so many people, that was two weeks ago, so many people made the commitment, I'm going to begin tithing. And the challenge, I said, if you're new, try it for 90 days. See what God does. And I can't tell you how many people have come up and talked to me and said they took us up on that. Powerful understanding. Because what it does is it does move you from fear to faith by using this thing where we actually have a lot of fear of money. Remember what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. We can train our heart. And we saw that when you do that, that now changes your vision for a whole lot of areas of life. It's not just about finances, because that's not the only area we experience fear. But the minute you begin to trust God with finances, which is so easy to keep track of because it's numbers, it's math. It's very easy to get a handle on. But when you see God do stuff, you go, that defies the math. Then you begin to understand in other areas of life, hey, wait a minute, maybe my fear isn't the final arbiter of truth. Maybe God can, and you begin to trust him in relationships, you begin to trust him at your work in all different kinds of areas. In fact, last week we talked about work. This is how we make our money, and we saw that one of the keys to unlocking joy and happiness and even effectiveness at work is this idea of serving and the spiritual discipline of serving. Now, the whole time we've been talking... From the very first, we introduced this idea. 10, 10, 80. You remember? Okay? I pay God first, 10%. That's where it starts. It's all God's. 
but in the discipline of the tithe, I pay him first. Second, I pay myself, and this is savings. That's what we talked about. And then there's this idea of living off the 80%. And some of you, that was a deal where you're just like, dude, no way, I, you know, I, it can't work. Well, I want to talk about that this week. I want to talk about how to do that, how to actually make that work. And I want to talk about financial habits of the wise. That's what we're going to share about, the importance of habits. Admiral William H. McRaven, 36-year Navy SEAL veteran, was the one to give the commencement address to the class of 2014 at UT Austin. He entitled his talk, 10 Lessons to Change the World. Now, I'm sitting here listening to a 36-year Navy vet. I can imagine there's a little anticipation. I want to hear this guy's take on 10 ways to change the world. Because here's a guy who's been all over the world, been involved in incredibly important, difficult, challenging missions, and he's going to tell us 10 ways to change the world. Here's the first lesson. Every morning in basic SEAL training, my instructors would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they would inspect was your bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, covers pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. That's Navy talk for bed, right? The simple task, mundane at best, he said. But every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. In fact, at the time, it seemed a little ridiculous, quite frankly. Particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened SEALs. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. See, if you make your bed every morning, you'll have accomplished the first task of the day. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. That is so huge. I think we could all probably attest to that fact, and yet it is so often overlooked and neglected. Little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never do the big things right. That's just true. And if by chance you have a miserable day, he said, you'll come home to a bed that's made, that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. See, that's great wisdom. You didn't know that. My mother would have had this, how things could be different for me today. (laughs) This talks about the importance of habits, though. Habits matter. They really do. In fact, I gave you a blank on your notes. I want you to write that down. Habits matter. You'll want the notes today. I'm going to bury you in Scripture, okay? Because we're going to talk about the financial habits of the wise, and and you'll want to use the notes. They're in your bulletin. But habits matter. We we began this whole series. We spent most of our time talking about the heart, because you remember what we said. Money problems are rarely money problems. Isn't that true? Money problems are usually maturity problems. Money problems are rarely money problems. They're usually maturity problems. And that's what we're talking about the heart. They're discipleship issues. The heart matters, but this morning I want to say so do habits. You see, habits are those things that you do regularly that will determine what kind of fruit you harvest. What kind of output or product you get from the course of your life. Listen to Psalm 119.55 says, In the night I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. Okay, that's talking about the heart. But then look at what he says. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. That's habits. This has been my practice. That's what practice is. It's habits, the things you do. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by good by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 
Wisdom is a powerful thing, and it's proven by what you do, James tells us. Not what you know or you claim to know, or even what you say. What you say matters. What you know is important. But if it doesn't inform how you live, then you're stopping short of real wisdom. Real wisdom is proven in the deeds and then the fruit that comes from a life. And I have to tell you, wisdom is one of those things that is in short supply. We live in a world that just spouts foolishness and the media stuff that you have and the, the different things that you can have and cable and just the internet. You can, you can have just all the words. There's so much foolishness. Wisdom is one of those things that is powerful. It is beautiful. And when you see it displayed, it's like a breath of fresh air. Ah, wisdom. And sad to say that's so rare. Obviously, we want wisdom in this idea of stewardship. Now, we can't really talk about finances without addressing the idea of stewardship, right? We talked about it in previous messages. That's the idea that it's all God's, and we have been entrusted with things to care for and to steward. This is so important. I have to tell you, stewardship is one of our core values here at River City. It really is. We have four core values. Restoration, community, compassion, and stewardship. Restoration is simply we're all about restoring people to the life God intended for them. Restoring what has been lost through sin. Helping people come into a relationship with Christ and experience the fullness of life that Father created from them. That's restoration. Community is all about the fact that we're not supposed to do this alone. We need one another. It's, you know, that's what the church is about. It's a community that God is building. That's why we have community groups and we're so committed to them. Compassion simply says, I'm supposed to care about people who aren't here yet. I'm supposed to care about the poor, those in need. I'm supposed to think outside myself. We are supposed to think outside ourselves because God does. We're his church. We share his heart of compassion for the world. And stewardship is simply this idea, and you go, well, of course, it's money. You've got to have something with money in the church, right? Yeah. Your cynicism is ugly. <laughs> stewardship is bigger than money. It's this idea that it's all God's. And it is a worldview. It's not simply a financial view. It is a worldview. How do you see this world of ours? Is it God's or is it ours? Because it will affect how you approach everything you do. Yes, definitely finances. But how you steward your life, your finances, your relationships. The relationships that you have, do you realize those are those people who are, if you have authority over people, whether it be in your family or at work, do you realize those are God's people? And that's a stewardship? When you're handling people, do you realize you are handling the most important possession that God has? People? That'll make you sit up a little straighter and think a little more carefully how you talk to people, how you treat people, how you love people. How about your talent, your opportunities? They're stewardship items. They've been entrusted to you by Father. And it really does. If you view the world that, well, we're the top, it's all man, and we're here by accident, there is no God, so we own it all, that has serious ramifications for how you will live your life. But if you, on the other hand, say, wait a minute, this, this is God's. He, it was here before me. It'll be here after me. I came in with nothing. I leave with nothing. This is all entrusted to me. It's a stewardship trust. That will radically change how you look at life in the world. And it's a powerful component of spiritual discipline, and it will radically impact how you view your finances. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. This is a core idea of stewardship, and it's a core understanding of the financially wise. And it's reflected in every single thing that they do, and that's where we're going to start from. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down in regard to habits. Wise stewardship 
is the product of wise habits. Wise stewardship is the product of wise habits. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent. In other words, what they do, what they, what they intend to do, and then what they do. This is talking about intentional stewardship. They plan. They're not caught off guard. They're not just hastily kind of squandering what they have. The plans of the diligent will lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear this full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come visit River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message called Financial Habits of the Wise. This is Real Life Radio. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. You guys know the condition of your flocks? How are they doing? Okay? You're like, I don't have flocks. Well, give careful attention to your herds. It's talking about the things in your possession. Okay? Your business, really. Your business, your finances, your resources. And this gives this reason. You should, you should know the condition. You should give careful attention. For riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. If you're taking notes, I want you just to jot this down in the margins. The opposite of good stewardship is carelessness. The opposite of good stewardship is carelessness. I told you before, I said, I said carefree is good. Careless is bad. Carefree, good. Careless, bad. When we understand this idea of stewardship and it's all God's and he's entrusted resources and opportunities and talent and things to us to steward, carelessness takes on a much bigger kind of understanding. It's serious. And one of the things I did when preparing for this talk, I spoke with a number of our leaders who they do mentoring ministries, maybe marriage mentoring, our premarital mentoring ministry. Some worked at with or went through or worked with um, financial peace classes here at River City. And one of the things that they talked about in this area of finance is they said they were shocked as they got more and more involved in people's lives. How many people were clueless when it came to their resources, their money? They just didn't know. They didn't want to know. Okay? They knew that they were running out of money before the end of the month. They knew that. Okay? They could figure that out. And they knew that because of that, they were going deeper and deeper in debt. They understood that. 
But to stop and ever analyze, evaluate what's happening, get a handle on it, nope. And, and I, I understand it's like avoidance. It's like you're like, like you know, I don't want to see a thing about it, la 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 you know. Uh, I, I don't want to think about it, uh, it hurts when I think about it. Let's go to a movie. I know it'll cost $14, but that'll make things better. Let's go to a movie. You know what I'm saying? It's like avoidance. If I don't think about it, it's not real. And the fact is that never happens with real problems and issues. They never get better by ignoring them. I've tried. It doesn't work. And so this idea, the opposite of good stewardship, is carelessness, is killing a lot of people. And so to some of you, the the things I'm about to say might seem fairly basic, but it's funny. Um, You would be stunned how many of your brothers and sisters here in the body of Christ, people in the rows with you. This is, for some, it'll be new information. For some, it'll be information they've thought about but they've never done anything with. So if we're ever going to experience the financial freedom God has for us, we've got to get a handle on this. So I want to give you six habits of a wise steward. Six habits of a wise steward. The first one is proactively put God first in my finances. Proactively put God first in my finances. Now, when I first did this, I just said, put God first in my finances. But I thought, no, it's got to be stronger. It's got to be proactively put God first. This is a little bit of review because I've talked about this in several of the talks up to this point in our series. So I'll go quickly through this material. You can go back and listen to the other messages at reallife.org. But I do want to say the idea of proactively, of, of making a formal declaration. God, I'm putting you first in my finances. Okay, you're my senior partner. Father, I am intentionally doing that. I am making some statements in that, and I'm going to live in the reality of the statements. You're my provider. Matthew 6, 32 and 33 said, the pagans run after these things. Talking about food, clothes, stuff you need. He says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Isn't that good to know? He said, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's a promise. You have a father. He knows what you need, and he wants to provide. Are you willing to let him be your provider? That's the beginning of this idea. He empowers me to earn. Some people say, well, but it's mine because I work, I earn it, so it's mine. No, the scripture says, Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. The gifts you have, the opportunities you have, the relationships you have, God allowed those to happen. There are people all over the world who do not have those gifts, opportunities, and relationships. He empowers me to earn. It's all his. That's the idea. This whole idea. The earth is the Lord, everything in it. We read that. It's all his. You know, we have all these financial philosophies and disagreements. Capitalism kind of says, well, what's mine is mine. I earned it, and I'm entitled to keep it. If you didn't earn it, well, tough luck. That's kind of the core of capitalism. Communism says, well, what's yours is mine, and I have a right to it. Redistribution of wealth is taking what someone has earned and give it to someone else who didn't earn it. And Christianity offers a totally different perspective. It says, what's mine is really God's, and I'm willing to share it. It changes things. It changes the way you think. So under this idea of how do I proactively put God first in my finances, I pay God first. That's what we call the tithe. I'm not going to talk about that extensively this morning. In fact, if you want to go on reallife.org, go to the sermons tab. This message was called Crossing Over. You can find out, you can hear some teaching, a full message on this idea of the tithe. 
Scripture says, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's the idea of putting him first, God's first, it's all his, I'm yours, Father, all that I have is yours, and I am going to proactively say, nope, you're the senior partner, God, okay? I'm working for you, and I'm the steward of these resources. I'm putting you first, okay? Wise stewardship is the product of wise habits. The first and most important habit is proactively put God first in my finances. Second habit, it's basic but important, make money by honest work. Make money by honest work. 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12, we hear that some of you are idle. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people, you didn't realize the Bible had some sarcasm there, right? They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Verse 12, such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. That's powerful. Another passage says, he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. There is virtue in hard work. It is a gift of God. Some people erroneously take the the teaching in Genesis and they say, say, no, 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 work was a product of the curse. We were meant to just have everything handed to us and be in a garden and pick the fruit and eat it. That is a bad reading of the scripture because the scripture says God placed man in the garden to work and care for it. Do you understand that he designed us to work? Yes, there were curses involved in the curse that impacted work but work is not a curse it is a gift we were given this ability to work to use our gifts and to express our creativity and to use our energy for something that would make a difference there's something about us that desires to make a difference in the world make a mark and know that because we were here things were different things were better there's something in us that wants to go home at night lay our head on the pillow and go man i did good today good honest day's work and I made a difference. I, I, I didn't just kind of go through the motions, but I actually did something that served God first, because I serve him, but also served the people around me, served my company, served my customers. And I just was a part of something that mattered. We are wired to want to engage creatively, and there's something that gives us purpose and dignity in good, honest work. And that idea has been, I believe, sadly broken and lost. I read today that since the year 2000, the number of people on food stamps in Texas has tripled. And I understand there are folks who have legitimate, serious physical needs. They are not able to work or they have a hardship and for a time they need help. And I'm so glad that our system has a, a, a safety net like that to help people in crisis. And I'm grateful for that and I'm supportive of that. And I happily pay taxes to help support that. But when we worked inner city, started this ministry out and worked in Victoria Courts, I got to meet families who were generationally on public assistance. They hadn't ever worked. Their parents hadn't ever worked. They were wards of the state. And that's messed up, okay? You wonder why our our budget is out of control when those numbers are increasing so rapidly of people who are dependent on government support just to pay their bills. Let me just tell you something. The greatest tragedy of that whole thing I mean, I think we look at the wrong thing. We look and say, wow, the deficit is going crazy and our national debt is 
gaining exponentially. We'll never be able to pay this thing back. And we get worried. That's not the biggest tragedy, folks. The biggest tragedy is that there's millions and millions and millions of people who do not get to express their creativity, do not get to partner with God the way they're supposed to in honest work and make a contribution. They literally have been sold a lie that they can't do it. The the system is so messed up, there's no way you can. It's just a lie. In fact, if you're here and someone has told you that lie, please come and talk to me. It's not true. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's not true, and you can begin to work in such a way with your hands and you can begin to contribute in a way where you can feel good about what you did because that's what God designed. He gave you gifts and creativity and for people who just are convinced, well, I can't, so I won't. Well, God's greatest resource is people, not money. And those people are on the sidelines. And I just want to say, work is not a curse. It is a gift. Now, any job, any job. I I love my job, okay? I love my job. And some of you are looking like, well, who wouldn't? You get to spout your opinions for 40 minutes a week, and then you do nothing else. It's a great job. (laughs) Fine. I'm going to be here all week. I said it before you because I knew I was going to hear it out in the hall. So I just try to beat you to the punch. I love my job. But there are things about it that I don't love. There are parts of it that I just go, oh, I don't want to do that, but i got to do it. There are meetings i got to have. There are th- responsibilities that I have. There are sometimes people, issues i got to deal with, and I just go, oh, I'd rather not do that. I'm going to call in sick, you know. Every job has that, folks. I don't care who it is. You can look at the person you're most envious of, and they got the greatest job in the world. You ask them, there's things that they just go, I don't like that part. Yeah, I'd rather not have to do that. It's life, but I'll tell you, it's worth it. Work is a gift, and it's how we are to earn our bread. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear the full, unedited message and this whole series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.